Welcome back, everybody. This week, we're going to have a conversation with Bill. I'm really excited to have him on the show. Bill, take a second to say hello. Hello, everybody. I'm Bill Kaler. Very nice to meet you. Awesome. Glad to have you on the show. So with that said, we're going to do the famous one word open. Give us one word right now that could describe how you're feeling as we kick this off. How am I feeling? Uh, big. Love it. Uh, take the next three to five minutes. Tell us about your business, what it's all about, how you started it at a high level and where you are at today and also where you're heading. Sure. So my business today is I work with uh, three venture PE accelerators um, in the public and private sector. And I work with early phase, uh, pre-seed, seed, and A, A round B2B SaaS firms. I say that, and then I have a beverage firm that I'm working with too, which is not SaaS and <laughs> not B2B, but still I work with them in strategy and then tactics. Um, I guide them through the whole process and help with pivots and turns and all that stuff. And it doesn't, and it doesn't matter on a global basis where these firms are, because they all, all have the same set of the same problems and issues that they, that they all seem to encounter. That's really great. Speaking of pivots, tell us about, you know, the pandemic, how you pivoted and how you helped other businesses and also how you came out of it. Right. So I have a unique story. So literally like a December before the pandemic, I um, exited a uh, MarTech firm that I had co-founded. So going, literally going into the pandemic, I was, I was into a little bit of a career shift. Um, and then the pandemic struck. And then I really felt the need to give back. So I got involved with the uh, Murphy Center out of uh, University of North Texas and working with their um, port portfolio of clients. Um, and what I've seen coming out of the pandemic, it's been pretty exciting just because there are a lot of people that have taken the plunge into wanting to make a difference. Um, uh, and so it's been interesting to work with some of these firms um, and to, but it's also been disappointing to, to see the classic, you know, I've created a solution, but I don't have a necessarily a super defined problem I'm solving. You know, so that's been a, that's been a real challenge working with some of these founders. What about a recent win that you put on the board at last quarter? Tell us something that you're proud of that you put on the board and you would consider a win. And as you're taking us through that, Bill, tell us your takeaway from that win. Well, the, the most recent win, I just got an email this morning. So that's a very timely question. So a uh, client of mine that I was working with, um, he was showing me his pitch deck about a month ago. And I and he was thinking just way too small in his, in his approach to TAM it just how he was viewing things. He was very tactically focused, not thinking in the larger picture, how investors and PE firms think. And so I we brainstormed and I basically sent him back to the drawing table. And I said, you need to really rethink this whole strategy. And I would prefer you to go in this direction and not so much in that direction. Really expand your viewpoint to, to make it more captivating and exciting and, and compelling to want to be a part of this team. So long story short, he sent me an email this morning saying, Bill, uh, you know, I followed through on, on our, on our uh, eight uh, slide deck um, for that initial pitch um, session. And he said he had a, a fantastic conversation yesterday and he has another meeting set up for a series, uh, for a series A round of, I think, I think he's asking for 12. And he's originally gonna go asking for two. 
And uh, so, yeah, so that's, uh, so, so that's exciting because this guy before had said no, and he saw the new pitch deck and now he's saying yes. So I consider that a win. That's really great. For those listening that don't know what total addressable market is, do you mind telling what TAM stand is, you know, what it means in a 30 second overview for everyone, Bill? Well, sure. TAM, TAM stands for total addressable market. It's basically, you know, uh, let's, let's say you're going to sell electric trucks, right? So how many electric trucks can possibly be sold on a global basis? And then you take that number of trucks times times pricing point, and there's your dollar volume or unit volume or whatever. It's the same thing. And if you can't find that, then you have to try to find a proxy or something that's a little bit close, and you can kind of pigtail or or piggyback or dovetail off of that. But that's that's what TAM TAM stands for. Awesome. Thank you very much. So you just shared with us a win. Can you also share with us a, a recent failure that you came through? You're on the other side of it, and you're looking back, and you're like, wow. I got out of it, and here's what was my takeaway. Tell us about that. Um, okay, yeah, Re- uh, a semi-recent failure. It's in the past six uh, months. I was working with a uh, another startup, and uh, the founder just wasn't 100% committed to it. He had a great idea and a great concept, but wasn't committed to it and wouldn't wasn't open to new ideas. And, um, and was afraid to talk, to talk to investors about it because he was afraid that his idea was going to get stolen. I can understand that because it's their baby, but it's like, you know, no risk, no, no reward. And so he's going to patent it and make people sign all these on NDAs. And I'm like, NDAs are don't, they're useless in a court for the most part, right? I mean, yeah, you can sign them, but there's just ways to get around that stuff. And so He's basically the where exactly where he was a year ago, and I unfortunately had to had to drop him about in January just because he would not make any progress. And listen, I mean, when you're starting a company, time is your enemy and it's your friend, right? Don't waste time. You know, don't don't sit there and say I've got to have 100% control of a three million dollar company when you could have. 50% control of a $300 million company. Yeah. But that's it. That's like the classic, I'm afraid to give up any control move. And then you just waste time and then you lead to lead to market. That's just an inherently risky strategy. Yeah, that's really eye-opening for us to hear. So thanks for sharing yeah. that with me. Well, um, let's talk about your, you know, you're a thought leader. I would love to hear your point of view. You know, if someone's trying to become a thought leader, what are the top three attributes they must possess to become a thought leader like you? Oh, a thought leader. Um, I just think that you have to have experience. You have to like know what you're talking about, right? And it's like, you can't tell me that you're say a, a software architect and you've been doing it for six months. That's not, you know, that's not an architect. And I've been there and done that in previous jobs, right? And tried to have people, I've, I've either had to try to pass that off or have some people pass it to me. No, you have to have the battle scars to prove that you're a thought leader. Right. You have to be able to say if you're an email marketing leader, then you have to be able to say, yes, I created thousands of campaigns or hundreds of campaigns and, and I have multiple successes, not just a one off. Right. So um, and you're not going to be thought leader in everything. You know, I, you know, and realize what you don't know. Right. Right. You have to be cognizant, cognizant of the fact that hey, you don't know everything and it's OK to say. I don't know that, but I want to find people that do know that. And then you just rely on them. 
I love that. And to your point about thought leadership, you know, when you say someone's been doing something for six months and then they're going to call themselves a thought leader, it's so true. Like you'll see someone that has 10 years experience, but it's one year's worth nine times over, you know, plus the first year. But they've not really excelled or grow, you know, had that growth, kind of like that client that you dropped, you were saying. So let's yeah. shift over to company culture. Can you share with the audience and I your, um, you know, when you look at an organization, maybe they're working with you, maybe they're not, or they're considering to work with you. You know, what are some key point indicators that you see in an organization that makes them, you know, from, from your point of view, like, hey, they must have an com- awesome company culture because of X. What would that be? What, what is that for you? I think it's um, empathy, hmm. empathy with uh, from a top down, not just from a management level, but literally from all the way. It, it has to permeate all the way down, right? It, if if especially coming out of COVID, uh, you know, with the tone deaf companies that are saying people have to be back in the office five days a week, I think I think that ship sailed, right? For a large percentage of companies, I mean, people have been working now for two years out of the office. I've been working remote for 20. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, yes, FaceTime is important, but, uh, you know, if you have leaders that are in touch and in tune and really understand what their employees are doing, it uh, really helps to build a team and a culture. And all of a sudden pay isn't as important, right? It's not like I've, I've got to be the highest paid person. The prime, uh, the very prime example, right out of college, I worked for Xerox for many years and, and Xerox, they didn't pay well at all. Right. But for some reason, people stayed. And the reason was because Xerox made it fun and they made you feel special and it was professional and there was, and there was respect. Right. Um, And those were, and I, and I think those characteristics still ring true today. That's beautiful, beautifully, beautifully put, because, you know, sometimes you look at a company and they have the lowest turnover, right? Because they have that awesome culture and they're not necessarily paying the highest amount of money. They're just kind of creating an environment that people want to, to have that sense of belonging. Like Exactly. Yeah. 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 Okay. So tell us what would be a typical pain point that a company is facing that would make sense for them to work with you? So what is something that they're wearing every single day as a challenge and they need to work on? improving that or coming out of that, what would that be? So, you know, essentially who's your sweet spot of a client? Ah, okay. So my sweet spot of a client would be a client that um, is facing lead lead generation or go-to-market issues, um, has a disjointed view of custom of the customer journey and the customer data, right? It's too often that we see Sales is operating here and marketing is operating here and operations is operating somewhere else and support is here. And there's no unified view of what the customer is receiving in terms of messaging pre and post sale, right? And how they're viewed and where that's relaying. And then how you're generating leads and what you're doing with your, what we like to call the, your ICP, which is your ideal customer profiles. Way too often I see those are incredibly undefined or they'll say, oh yeah, every, every Fortune 100 firm. It's like, wait, you know, you're not, I mean, they're buyer influencers and bio dis- and decision makers, but they all play a role in how relationships are formed and sales are made. Now I'm strictly, you know, this is B2B. I mean, B2C, 
there's a whole, that's a whole nother world to play in. I'm talking the B2B world, right? So that's kind of where I play. Um, I'm not going to walk into Siemens and advise them on their, you know, uh, $50 trillion market opportunity, but I definitely can work with any firm that's zero to 500 employees, zero to 150 million revenue. Awesome. Now that gives us perspective. So with that said, can you take this opportunity to give out your social handles and your website address? That way people can check you out online and find out more information. Ah, so I'm probably one of your only unique hosts. I, I have LinkedIn and I have a website. I, I don't, I don't do Twitter, even though I advise on it. It's a great, it's a great modem. I don't do Insta, um, but reach me on LinkedIn. I'll repost. I'd love to talk to any, anybody and the website uh, you can you can find my LinkedIn profile, and then you can find my website, my contact info there. The website's being redesigned, so I can't give out an email, and I, then I don't want to spell the old email address. So just find me on LinkedIn. I'll gladly talk to you, help you out, and I'll make any connection that I can. Sounds good. I'll put in the show notes for the audience to find you on LinkedIn. So with that said, here we are at the final question. What's your one-word close, Bill? My um, one-word close is... Um, uh, it's not going to be one word. It's going to be two words. It's going to be don't delay. All right, okay. Bill. All right. Tell us why, by the way. Tell us why. I know oh, I said okay. one more question. Don't delay. Yeah. You know, um, and I don't mean to end this on a bummer note, but my um, father is in the last stages of terminal cancer, like right now. He's got days. Um, and I look back and one of his favorite expressions was, um, and this is hopefully this is not a bleep, but it's, but it's either shit or get off the pot. And and when I see it and I see like today and I see where he is today, it really drives home the point that, you know, don't wait to take action. You know, if you have a market opportunity or something that you can handle, don't let anything get in your way, whether it's money, resources, I don't care, make it happen or make a decision not to pursue it. But don't contemplate and think about it and and, uh, and overanalyze because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. There you have it, folks. Bill, thank you very much for the wisdom that you shared with us. And also, we got an insight into who you are as a person. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. And uh, good luck to everybody. And uh, hopefully uh, everybody has wonderful success.